Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of No Place Like Mahomes. I am Sean Deegan here in Shawnee, Kansas, and we have got a ton to talk about, so let's not delay. His heart stopped for a full 10 seconds at the sight of Patrick Mahomes being injured. Sam Bleka is back with us on the podcast. How are you, bud? Man, I, that was the longest 10 seconds of my life, that's for sure. That was uh, not just the ramifications of what it could be that we'll get into talking about, but, man, just seeing a guy act like that after getting hit is just never never a good thing to see his blood pressure rose to 2000 over 1500 jacob allen is back with us on the podcast how are you buddy sean that's not funny to joke about i actually did go get my blood pressure checked by the doctor this year because the wrist measuring blood pressure didn't work right so i don't appreciate any sort of blood pressure jokes <laughs> i know you think you're funny but it just hurts my feelings and, and I- by the way i was fine Uh, And I coped with Patrick Mahomes' injury by eating a ton of cookies, which spiked my diabetes into the ground. So let's get right to it here, because we have got a ton to talk about. The Chiefs did pull out what I'll call is is the most roundabout win I think I've seen them have so far this season, 22-17 to over the Cleveland Browns. Just a quick score prediction recap from last week. Sam, you again, you have a knack for picking the other team's score. Pick 31-17 for the Chiefs. So did get the 17 number right. I think it's like the third week in a row you've nailed or come eerily close to the opponent's score. Jacob, you had a 31-25. That was your third uh, tier, your, your third choice of score predictions If for those counting at home from last week's episode for Jacob. And then I had 31-21 for Kansas City. Let's just quickly, before we dive into the Chiefs, do a quick recap of what happened this past weekend with the NFL playoffs. Like I said, 22-17 Chiefs over the Browns, also in the AFC. The Bills did completely shut out the Ravens, 17-3. On the NFC side of things, Green Bay, no surprise, put the hurting on the Rams, 32-18. And the Buccaneers put away Drew Brees and the Saints, 30-20. So just real quickly here, guys, let's go around and get our reactions. Any surprises for you guys uh, from this past weekend, wild card weekend. Uh, Jacob, we'll start with you. Anything jump out at you from this past weekend of NFL playoff action? Well, I'll start with the one I was completely wrong on predicting in the sense of the way the score went, which was the Bills Ravens. I'm going to go out on a limb and just say the Lamar Jackson experiment is done. People aren't tricked by it anymore. They've figured out how to stop him. The score of 17 3 was a little misleading because anybody that watched the game Ravens were on the doorstep of making it 10 to 10 when the bills had the pick six, who knows what that game is at the end, but either way, I wasn't impressed by the Ravens. Just the Ravens Lamar Jackson experiment to me is done. It's not effective anymore, but that was my big takeaway. The other games didn't really surprise me all that much. Sam, how about you? What what surprised you or jumped out at you from this past weekend in the playoffs? I'm right there with Jacob. The bills Ravens game is the only one that, I was taken aback a little bit by, not because, again, I, I completely agree that the Lamar Jackson experiment, as Jacob uh, kind of coined it, it, it's been kind of on its dying legs, I think, this year. I think, as Jacob said, people are realizing what Lamar Jackson is, and it's not the next coming of Patrick Mahomes, as everyone thought was uh, last year. Honestly, the only thing that surprised me is we didn't see his characteristic running style. That's what I really thought was going to take that game over was him being what he is, which is a a good runner, and it just didn't happen. Outside of that, I I think we saw the most likely last game of Drew Brees' career. Um, That was a pretty 
poor performance on both both sides. I don't think even with the score thirty to twenty, the the Bucks it was a it, almost a very similar game to the Browns where they gave them gave the ball away three times and and they capitalized on it. So kind of sad to end of an era. I think we all watched grew up kind of watching Drew Brees after leaving the chargers and then going to the saints and, and what was likely his last game uh, was kind of a weird feeling in reality. And this will be an exciting off season talking all those quarterbacks, because we're at the point now where Lamar should be getting his new contract. Baker should be getting his new contract and same with Josh Allen. So these teams, this is the point where the chiefs re-sign Patrick Mahomes. Now they don't have to, but in order for their franchise's future, they typically do to try to save money and avoid drama. You know, teams don't typically franchise the quarterback. And I'm sure this will be a big discussion in our offseason. But I just wanted to start thinking about it now because that's where my mind went to after seeing Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield since they came from the same draft. Yeah, I think that's my actual like biggest surprise is the quarterback play uh, just around the league in general was not good. Any game, you know, when you can make the argument that Baker Mayfield had the best performance out of any of the quarterbacks coming out of this out of this week before Patrick Mahomes or after Patrick Mahomes got hurt. Patrick Mahomes like played two and a half quarters of football and you can make you can make the almost definitive argument. He still had the best game out of any quarterback that played this past week. So I think that to me was the biggest one was just that the quarterback play overall was not good. You know, Josh Allen, they won the game, but again, not because of him. Drew Brees, three interceptions. You know, I get that his arm is not good anymore. It looked bad in the game, but the three interceptions jumped out at me, and maybe that's a indicative of a guy knowing it's his last go and he's just trying to do too much with the football. Brady, you know, he had the two touchdowns, but he's 18 of 33. And then, you know, you guys don't need to reiterate it, but Lamar Jackson had the bad day and Baker Mayfield – at that point might be your best guy with 23 of 37, even with the interception that he threw, which is a bad pick to Matthew. So I think that to me was my, my biggest surprise from this past week. So one other surprise that I think has, has jumped out at us the last three years really. And is now for me, it's flabbergasting is the best word I can come up with. Sorry to sound like the most Asian human being of all time, but that's the only word I can come up with that, sounds severe enough on a PG podcast. I don't get it. Eric Bieniemy is still with the Kansas City Chiefs. The Los Angeles Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers, that still sounds weird to me. The Los Angeles Chargers hired Brandon Staley, who is defensive coordinator to replace Anthony Lynn. You have Jacksonville picking up Urban Meyer uh, as their new head coach. So that's out for Bieniemy. Uh Robert, I'm going to try this. Soleil? Sala. Sala, thank you. I'm terrible with names. Robert Sala from San Francisco, their former defensive coordinator, is going to be the uh, Jets head coach. Atlanta is uh, Arthur Smith, who is the offensive coordinator with the Tennessee Titans. And there's a lot of talk. This is all coming from ESPN.com in case anybody wants to check on this. And then they, at the time, they were talking about how Detroit was expected to hire Dan Campbell uh, to fill their head coaching spot. This leaves the Eagles and the Texans. The Texans have been granted something of an exception. The Chiefs agreed to allow them to interview Eric Bieniemy, which typically would not have been allowed to occur until Kansas City had knocked out of the postseason or the postseason had ended with them at the championship. Chiefs allowing Eric Bieniemy to interview, which to me says a lot about Andy Reid. It's like, seriously, guys, get him the job. This is ridiculous. And then the Eagles have now a late contender expressed interest in interviewing Eric Bieniemy as well. 
We talked a little bit about this last week. Didn't get into a whole lot of detail just uh, because obviously a lot of positions were still open. There were head, head coaching positions had not been filled, but still his name had, had been talked about an awful lot and nothing had come of it. And now we see position, you know, coaching positions being filled up and now you're basically left with two. What is your guys' reaction to Eric Bieniemy being down to two options for a head coaching position? Uh, Sam, we'll start with you on this one. So I, I thought about it after we talked about it last week on the podcast, and I actually rephrasing what I brought up last week is the the grass is not always greener. But for me, it's uh, thinking about it. It might be the other teams looking at it as the grass is not always greener. We've seen two chief assistants coming in and, and not have, I mean, obviously Doug Peterson winning the Super Bowl, but overall not having the greatest success. And how much are they now looking at it as are these chiefs assistants coming away from Andy Reid being, are they a good candidate for us? That's the only thing I can think of right now is as to why he's not getting more opportunities or, or looks is is they're just they've seen the experiments it's almost like the bill belichick coaching tree where people branch off from him and they just never never succeed and it almost seems like that's occurring with andy reed to an extent with his coaching tree so that's my only at this point the only reason i can think of as to why he's not getting that opportunity is as people are hesitant based off other other examples they've seen Jacob, what about you? What's your reaction to the fact that Eric Bieniemy is still an assistant with the Kansas City Chiefs and now it's basically down to two options available for him to be a head coach next year? I'll start with Sam's logic about the former Chiefs assistant and already just rule out the Eagles. From a PR standpoint and a fan feel, I don't think he's getting the Eagles job. How could you pitch that to your fans of, hey, we're going to get a second Chiefs offensive coordinator to come coach. Remember how well that one worked out last time? Now, if you're a Chiefs fan in a Kansas City and a Midwest mindset, you say to yourself, we won a Super Bowl with that guy. This is great. But when you're from Philadelphia, you remember all the bad only. All they see is Doug Peterson being bad in his final year. I'll throw out the Eagles right off the bat. I do think the Texans is his only shot, and I think it's a long shot. What intrigues me about that is the special request being granted. What I wonder is, is the NFL trying to make sure their superstars don't hold power the same way the NBA does? And I wonder if that's why the NFL did it, because they didn't want Deshaun Watson to be able to force a trade out of Houston, which to me means Eric Bieniemy. and I almost said Barry, sorry, man, I'm good about mixing up the last names. To me, it says that Eric Bieniemy will not get the job because their Texans are simply doing it to make Deshaun Watson happy if it's me I'd hire Eric Miami just for two seasons just to keep Deshaun Watson with my franchise and last so Sam already mentioned the coordinator part of it and the Patriots as well of just you know these coordinators from Super Bowl winning teams not getting jobs and I think that's smart to mention because the human mindset is well that's what those guys are supposed to do versus you'll see teams like the 49ers defensive coordinator seems great because the 49ers weren't supposed to be in the Super Bowl last year. So there was all this hope and look how far they got when they weren't supposed to. But then lastly, it's just the fear of the unknown. And I kind of mentioned it last week with Eric Bieniemy being the running backs and being the unknown. People want the quarterbacks guy. But again, it's the fear of the unknown. And, you know, the national syndicates right now are just saying he's not being hired because he's black. 
I think there needs to be a little bit of more explanation with that of just, he's not being hired because he's being, he's a black offensive coordinator, which is not something we're used to seeing, which is unfortunate. And it's a lot like when you're going for your first job and you have, well, I, how do you, what job experience do you have? Well, none. Well, sorry, then we don't want to hire you. Well, then how am I supposed to get my first job? Same thing with an offensive coordinator of, well, you know, we're not really, we don't know if this is going to work or not, but also the other factors as well of, the Super Bowl team, that's what you're supposed to do. You have Patrick Mahomes. What do you do? Because that's what I'm seeing from outside sources is, well, what does Eric Berry actually do? He doesn't call the plays. So there's a lot of factors working against him. But again, if I'm the Houston Texans, I just do it to keep Deshaun Watson. I don't even care if it ends up being a good, it doesn't end up being a good hire as long as I get my quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years. I agree. I will agree with the premise of Andy Reid's Chiefs assistants have a steep falling off point. If, if the next guy in Philly, I should say, doesn't have the issues that Doug Peterson did at the end of his time. What I mean by that is Doug Peterson came in, got the Eagles to a Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. That's an amazing coaching job to me. That's outstanding. There are many reports now of Doug Peterson being frustrated with the lack the attempts to take control from him, having to constantly uh, go be at odds with management and ownership on his decisions as a head coach and what they wanted, the direction they wanted with the team. And that's what led to his firing and maybe the, the discontent and the, the melancholy season that was this past year for the Eagles. But when you look at Andy Reid's coaching tree overall, they're two and one in Super Bowl win, in the Super Bowl. Doug Peterson's one and oh. John Harbaugh's one and oh. Ron Rivera got there and lost, but still got there. Sean McDermott was a scouting assistant with the, with the Eagles with him. He has been able to bring a team that has time will tell, but what we all think is maybe just a good quarterback to the playoffs the last couple of years. And last year, we, none of us, I think, would say that Josh Allen was great. Now, we might even have the debate that he was good. Matt Nagy, same thing. He was able to take a Bears team, granted with a terrific defense, but a, a Bears team with a definitively subpar quarterback to the playoffs and lost on a missed kick to Doug Peterson and the Eagles, who went on to win the Super Bowl. I think the Eagles coaching tree has definitely had more success overall in company, taking in playoffs to account, et cetera, than the Chiefs coaching tree has. But I, I would push back on that just a little bit if, if the next guy has issues in filling the same way that Doug Peterson did. If we continue to get reports that, Doug, that the next guy has problems with management and ownership, then I think that you can make the – and Doug Peterson goes on to have success at his next job especially, I think you can maybe push back on that a little bit. But for right now, I think it's a, a, valid, a valid thought. For me, it's, it's down to the Texans, and if Deshaun Watson's not there and I'm Eric Bieniemy, I'm not, I'm not going, period they have to guarantee me that Deshaun Watson is going to stay. And that's the only way I take that job. I think the, the only fault to looking at Eric or Andy Reid's um, coaching tree is I, th I think the NFL's theme song recently should be Janet Jackson's. What have you done for me lately? Because they don't really look at historical greatness. They look at what is working now and Andy Reid works now, but his the ability to transition that to his assistance has not been as effective as I think people want it to be initially. And so I think that's the only issue with looking purely like the historical coaching tree aspect. I'm I think people look directly at Nagy and 
Doug Peterson. And they, though they have had general success, they haven't been able to take over the league as, as Andy Reid has. And, and honestly, I don't even know if that is to their, anything they're doing as much as it is the, the team building aspect that the Chiefs have been able to do. The, the Texans job, I think is, I, I honestly think they've done too much damage with Deshaun Watson. I, I have a hard time really seeing him. This seems like a last-ditch effort to try to keep him appeased and, and try to keep him on the team. And I think it's if I'm if I'm Eric Bieniemy, I don't. I, again, that's a team I don't want to go to because of how much disorder and, and almost chaos the ownership group has really caused within that organization. So, I, I mean, it, it's been such a bizarre situation where you bring in a, a retired, obviously very famous retired college coach, coach the Jaguars. And hiring again a lot of guys that most people have never heard of, and Eric Bieniemy is the big name, and he just continually gets overlooked or, or passed by. So it's it's really a, a quandary as to what is what has been occurring with these 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 coaching hires recently. We'll see how it all plays out. Obviously, we have a long time before any decisions get made officially, or that he would take over another job even if he did get hired. But we'll see how it all plays out. But it is a an interesting thing to track, and we'll. We'll see how it all plays out. Let's go ahead and move to the biggest story from these past playoffs. And that as always, and will always be Patrick Mahomes being hurt in the match with the Browns. Just to recap, for those of you who might've been living under a rock, third quarter, 744 to go. Chiefs run an option play. Patrick Mahomes keeps the ball. He is tackled around the first down marker, but how he is tackled is wrapped up around his neck. And he is dragged to the ground basically by his throat and cannot stand up on his own. He requires the assistance of his teammates to come back up. We talked about it in our Chiefs chat a little bit. His eye, and I I made the comment that I've had those concussion eyes before. I was terrified when he came up and I saw just how his facial expression, it was devoid of, of focus. He looked rattled. He couldn't obviously stand. And combined with that with the foot injury, you know, you were hoping almost almost hoping that it was a leg injury. Given what they saw, they take him into the tent. He goes through per- concussion protocol and is rolled out for the rest of the game. First thing here, I know I was uh, I made light of it and joked about it in the intro, but just overall, what was your guys' reactions when Mahomes goes down first? Jacob, we'll start with you. I thought you were going to re-apologize for the blood pressure joke, just to be clear. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the second apology. But, yeah, the scariest part of it is it's out of the Chiefs' hands. You'd almost prefer it was just a foot. But the scariest part is you just have to sit there and wait on that independent neurological scientist or whatever the terminology is for him. And let's just hope he's not a Bills fan. I know they say that it's supposed to be somebody that's impartial and doesn't cheer for any team. But you know there are people out there sending emails and phone calls asking this man, paying him either way, hey, don't clear Mahomes. Hey, clear Mahomes. If it's me and I'm the NFL, I try to make it work because you can sell a lot more commercials and make a lot more money when you're advertising Mahomes Allen instead of Chad Henney and Allen. Sam, how about you? When Mahomes went down and then you saw him try to get up, what, what was your reaction? Again, I kind of tipped it in the intro, but it's terrifying, man. That, again, it's not even – at that point, you have the initial, oh, crap, Mahomes is out. But realizing that what that could actually mean as far as the hit. Because when you when you first see him, it's always – he got his bell rung. 
But then when you watch it in slow motion, the type of tackle, it's, it's really a scary tackle because of the placement of the arm around the neck and, and how he actually fell. So it, it's a really, I, I mean, more than anything, I'm glad it wasn't anything more severe than it was because that's the kind of situation where such a almost nonchalant tackle, something that didn't look hard, didn't look like a massive hit, can really lead to a lot of problems. And, and hopefully it's really not as, as much. Again, hearing reports that it could be a pinched nerve in his neck, things of that nature, which which is hard to, hard to know how long that's going to stand. But, man, it, it was just – it was a scary few minutes seeing when you see a guy get up and not be able to – stand on his own power it was a hundred percent the stone cold stunner and the same reason all of our parents got pissed and we were out on the trampoline practicing the wwe moves now parents are going to have that ammunition do you want to end up like patrick mahomes it was a hundred percent a stone cold stunner oh my god i have i have been concussed before and mine was just i slipped on wet grass playing capture the flag whacked my head and went dark when he popped up and popped up a strong word when he was raised up by two offensive linemen and Travis Kelsey to a standing position and his eyes are just all over the place. He's not focused on anything and he, his legs aren't there. My first thought was, Oh, he's done. Like he might be done with, with the playoffs because I'm having, and mine was a very, very mild concussion. I blacked out for a little bit, came back. I was able to walk and, and talk just fine. I just had a hard time focusing. I can't fathom, especially with that kind of tackle, what it must have been like for him. Now, the most encouraging thing. Sean, I got a quick question for you. Do you have a list somewhere of all the injuries that you've sustained in your life? I have a checklist. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. I was just making sure. I know we only mentioned two major ones, the concussion and then the what torn quadricep muscle in church league softball. Uh, hamstring. Hamstring. Okay. My yeah, bad. No. Sorry, Sorry Sean. Continue on. You had me thinking. We'll, we'll make that an off-season thing. It's like, let's compare the actual athletes' injuries who played contact sports in football to the non-football-playing athlete and compare our injury list. And I, I bet you mine's probably longer, or at least in most re- reoccurring injuries at this point. We'll do that now. And that's all the Twitter doctors do, so you're, you're not any different than them. <laughs> I do want to just ask, like again, going back to kind of reactions and thoughts, I'll go first here. When Chad Henney came in, I do want to get your guys' opinions on where where were you at when Henney takes the ball? What percentage were you thinking the Chiefs had to win that game? For me at that point, I've said in my head, I'm like, this is a 50-50 ball game. This is now completely about if we can run the ball and the defense can, can stand up to the Browns. To that point, the defense had played very well, I thought, overall. Uh, you know, pass rush had was kind of came and went at parts of the game, but overall I thought they played a, a pretty damn good game, but there is that momentum swing. And if your quarterback can't keep you on the field, my thought was, well, if there aren't extended drives, it doesn't really matter how good that defense is. They're going to wear down at my, at that point when Henny came in, I thought it was 50, 50, even after they got the field goal and made a 22, 10 Sam will come to you here. Where were you at percentage wise? once Chad Henney was under center for the Chiefs? In all reality, I wasn't entirely too nervous. Obviously, you are you're you know that there is a drastic drop-off compared to in quarterback skill when you go to Henney compared to Mahomes. But with the way that the, the Chiefs had been running the ball and, and how effective our defense had been at, at stifling pretty much everything the Browns had really tried to throw at us, I was actually pretty comfortable. 
I didn't get uncomfortable in Chad until Chad Henney threw one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen in my life. Um, other than that, I was comfortable just because everything had been running smoothly to that point in reality. Um, you always wish that you could keep the best player in the NFL in the game, but it was, I wasn't that nervous uh, immediately, I should say. Jacob, what about you? Where were you at when Henny came in and was taking snaps on your center? Yeah, Sam nailed it at 22, 10. I, you know, I felt pro- if I had to give a percentage, I, I was probably at 75%. I was thinking they just have to manage the end of the game correctly. And for the most part, they did until that interception. That was when, like Sam said, my stomach just dropped. I was like, oh boy, here we go. Because that was just so unnecessary. It was first and 25 after that Ricky Seals Jones phantom crackback block call. But honestly, I was not expecting the shot play there. That is a Mahomes thing to do, not a Chad anything to do. And Andy Reid has taken blame for it. But yeah, that, that's where I was too until the interception. Then I was, you know, this is a 50-50 ball game. The defense has to get involved and step up instead of just kind of manage the end. Yeah, it all ended up working out. Chad Henney played heroics and made it all work somehow. I do want to ask, you know, Jacob, you kind of posed this question. and I, I thought it was a, a, fun, uh, a fun one, um, one that gets discussed a lot. And I, I have mixed feelings on pending on the situation. But let's say you know, Mahomes doesn't play or he does play, whatever the case might be. You can give me both, you know, how you feel both ways. If the Chiefs lose to the Bills with Henny or with Mahomes, what's your reflection on this season? Is it a failure? Is it still a success? You know, they would, they are hosting their third straight AFC championship game, which last time that happened was again, an Andy Reid team with the Philadelphia Eagles from 2002 to 2004. Again, when you have the best player in the NFL, like you said, Sam, there are certain expectations, especially coming off a Super Bowl season. Given that he's hurt, you know, with Henny or with Mahomes, Sam will come to you first here. What would you, how would you feel about this season if they did not beat the Bills? For me, making it to the AFC Championship is the minimum in my in my mind as far as what our what our team is. Now, it, it's a really interesting question because when you really dive deep into it. I don't think you could even say, even if we had lost to the Browns this week, it's hard to say it was a failure of a season. It's definitely a disappointment coming off a Super Bowl win, expecting having Patrick Mahomes. And you know that everyone, if we had lost the Browns this week, everyone in the media would say, oh, the Chiefs are such a huge disappointment without looking at the fact that we had, as I think Tony Romo brought it up, we had Eric Fisher and then four guys that were either drafted in the seventh round or undrafted on the offensive line Almost none of them played last year uh, besides Eric Fisher. We lost, obviously, our, our first-round pick running back and all of that also. So it, it's it's an interesting question. I think not making it to the AFC Championship is a disappointment in general for me um, if we hadn't. But I, I think it's a general success regardless, making it there, being top, one of the top four teams in the league with, obviously, the hopes of going further. Jacob, how about you? Whether Mahomes, if Mahomes plays, if Mahomes doesn't play, whatever, wherever you're coming at this from, what are your thoughts on this season if they don't beat the Bills? I'll stick right with Sam. If Mahomes got hurt in that Browns game, they didn't win, you would just say, man, that's kind of disappointing. You wouldn't say it was a disappointment. I guess you could call it a disappointing season, but you couldn't call it a failure with your quarterback out. Where they're at at this moment, getting past the Browns with Chad Henney in there, I would call a success. If we just played, you know, Mahomes is not hurt at all. I do think anything short of 
going to the Super Bowl would be considered a disappointment because this is the time when they have the most manageable cap and it's not going to get any easier. I'll use the lens of the idea that it's just going to get harder and harder. And that's why I'm going to be strict about it and say, I do think it would be a failure if they now with a hobbled Mahomes, it's tough to say, but if they had, you know, not the circumstances of this week, I would say it would be a failure to not reach the Super Bowl, given everything that's lined up at this point, just with Mahomes' age and the salary cap situation. If you had told me that they were going into this game with all their guns loaded, you know, if Clyde Edwards-Alaire was healthy, if Le'Veon Bell was healthy, if Sammy Watkins was healthy, if Patrick Mahomes was healthy, and even just that taking the offensive line out of it, which is almost impossible to do. We've talked about them so much this season. Even if you just told me like the skills positions, players were healthy and Patrick Mahomes was healthy. And you told me that they lost to the bills. I would say I would be tempted to call that a failure because I think they are definitively a better team. And I think really there weren't many teams other than the Titans to me that matched up as, as well as they did with the chiefs. And to lose to a, a definitively inferior quarterback would, would to me, be a, a massive frustration. I think the expectations now of having not just an elite quarterback, but the elite quarterback, the one that now every other quarterback in the NFL will be compared to. It's like, well, can he be Mahomes or can he be close to Mahomes? That's, that's who he is. And with that comes an entirely new set of expectations, you know, Tom Brady, I remember he was being interviewed for, I think it was the, the, the perfect season when they were going to try and when they were going up against the Giants, it was before the Super Bowl. And they asked him, what's your favorite Super Bowl win? And he said, the next one. And I just loved that line. And that to me is like the expectation you have with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. Now, with everything that's happened and, you know, you basically are down to two restern- returning starters on the offensive line one of whom I think we all agree is a legitimate starter and then being Eric Fisher, Austin Ryder, I think we all can say is there by default, not having, you know, Sammy, not having Clyde, barely having Le'Veon Bell. And then your starting elite quarterback goes down and you're left with Chad Henney, who outside of the interception, which was unbelievably awful. He did play a good game and, and made the biggest play of the night. So the two biggest plays of the night, to me, I think that it's already a success, especially in when you factor in COVID-19 and everything that they've had to overcome to this point. One little fun question we, you, I can think you again posed Jacob that I just thought would be fun to think about. And we don't have to spend a ton of time on this because it's not, you know, a super in-depth question. What if Mahomes doesn't get hurt, he picks up the first down, they continue to roll. What's the final score in this one? Again, at the time of his injury, the Chiefs are up 19 to 10. They do go on to kick the field goal with Henny uh, on that drive to finish it off. But if Mahomes stays healthy, what's the final score? Jacob, we'll come to you here first. I think that prediction that we made to start last week, 31-17, sounds near perfect, if not 34-17 or something even more. They were they were already rolling. I mean, you look at the first half and before Mahomes hurt his foot, they were getting eight, nine yards of play. They weren't having any trouble. And then the toe hurt and you could see Mahomes having to adjust, but then it kind of felt like in the second half, it was going to happen again. The only thing that I think stopped the absolute blowout was Butker missing the field goal after the 
Tyron Matthew interception because that gave momentum back to the Browns because if they come down the field and kick that field goal, kick another and Mahomes doesn't get hurt, it's just like, all right, it's on. And the Browns, as bad as it is to say, they might start laying down even in the playoffs, but who knows? Sam, what about you? Uh, just for fun, what did you think the, the final score could have been if Mahomes doesn't get hurt? I, I think I would have had a perfect prediction this week. <laughs> Basically. Um, it, yeah, they, they were – that was not really even a game prior to Mahomes getting – I won't even say – I don't think it was a game even after he banged his toe up or banged his foot up. He was still, regardless of being gimpy, he was still – playing like there was not another defense on the other side of the field. So I, I easily think the 17 might have been where it was uh, a little gracious. I think they we may have seen them not even score that potentially. But I'm with you. I when when we when you first threw the question out, Jacob, my first thought was well Sam would have been dead on by maybe a point off one way or the other. But I, I agree that it may have ended up being even more of a blowout. Because they go get if they go get seven there and Butker decides to kick an extra point through the uprights instead of outside of it, you know, you're 27 to 10 at that point and the race is on. Uh, I'm with you guys. We won't spend too much, any more time on it. I think it would have been definitively a blowout. Let's go ahead and move to the actual game. I've, I've kept, we kept, when we talked about this prior to coming on, I kept the uh, questions kind of general just because I think there is an awful lot to pick from in this game as far as positives and negatives, as opposed to getting too specific. Again, starting with the positives, because I do think there were a lot of them. What were your biggest takeaways from the Chiefs this week? What were your biggest plus signs, your biggest positives for the Chiefs team after it was all said and done with the Browns? Uh, Jacob, we'll come to you first here. What What were your things that you said, that was awesome that they did this when it was all said and done? It has to be the defense. The defense stepped up when they needed to. So I'll start with saying Tyron Matthew and Chris Jones were great. And then Frank Clark was just kind of what we've seen all season, which would be my biggest disappointment. And then on the offensive side, we saw what we expected even. And one more positive, Daryl Williams has been playing great down the stretch. We, as Chiefs fans, I think, do kind of take for granted some of the play of the role players. Daryl Williams has been filling in perfectly. He's not anything crazy special, but he's does enough to get the job done. Sam, how about you? What were your biggest positives from the Chiefs this weekend? In general, it's hard to pick out one or two because I thought this was obviously prior to the Mahomes injury, maybe the most complete game we'd seen the Chiefs play as far as everything just seemed to work well. Um, now, it's hard to say if that was the Browns or the Chiefs just kind of are turning it into playoff mode. But I thought the offensive line, this again, this was one of the first weeks that, I mean, we neutralized their their pass rush. That was the one thing we talked about last week about being afraid of was Miles Garrett and their and their pass rush. And Miles Garrett had one sack. And for for the most part, their defensive line was kind of a non-factor uh, through most of the game. So I thought, I mean, as much uh, as as we bag on the offensive line, I thought we have to at least give them a little bit of credit for, I thought, playing a very good game for for what they are. Uh, Jacob's completely correct. Defense was, that was, again, we continually see their cohesiveness and and their just the ability to play a very complete game, raising each game we've seen these past past couple weeks. 
a guy I want to immediately shout out is a guy we've talked about all all year, which is uh, Legereus Sneed. I thought, again, just had a great game. I mean, he's really showing what we got in a fourth-round pick in that guy. Uh, so it, it was – for my positives, I, I hate to be the cop out, but it was really just a, a the complete game itself because I thought it was the most error free game for the most part we've seen out of the Chiefs this year in reality. Yeah, to emphasize your point on Legarius, six tackles, one sack, two tackles for a loss, and a quarterback hit. Monster game from a cornerback. He was just an absolute animal. Oh, did you say he got the credit for that sack or not? Yeah, according on ESPN, he got the credit for it. Oh, okay. I was just making sure because it was one of the more strange sacks I've seen. <laughs> yeah, no, they gave him they gave him props for that one, at least on ESPN. For me, it's Daryl Williams specifically, if I'm going to single out an individual, just because I think, especially with your backup quarterback coming in, and I, I think I am maybe factoring in the Mahomes injury a little bit more than than I might have otherwise, but – Daryl Williams allowed the Chiefs to continue to run offense and drain the clock as the game went on. I've always, I've always liked Daryl Williams as, you know, break glass in case of emergency running back. I thought that that's, that's his role, maybe a third down. I always was really impressed with his third down blocking and pass protection when he was, you know, first coming up and not getting any time. This is the first time that I saw him play and I went, that guy's, that guy, it could be a number two back. He might never be a starter, but if Clyde Edwards goes down, Clyde Edwards Hilaire goes down, and you're forced to play with Daryl Williams for an extended period of time, I'm good with that. I feel completely comfortable with that. We've talked about him maybe having the best hands out of anyone, save maybe like a Travis Kelsey or a Sammy Watkins on the team. So, and definitely the best hands out of any running back. Lastly, was just can he run? And I averaging six a pop on 13 carries for 78 yards, I'll take that. Every day. I, I think we'd be amiss to not mention our own, the Chiefs' John Lynch, making one of the <laughs> biggest plays of the game. So you, you got to at least give him, give him our shout out, shout out and still waiting on the check. But, uh, but man, that was a talk about a, a really, a, at the end, a, a game-saving play at the end of the game that at the time didn't seem like it. But Jacob talks about our, our role players playing big parts, and he is probably the – epitome of a role player playing a big part weirdly he has like this outside chance to make the chiefs hall of fame for the amount of big playoff plays he has made before that had been crazy you think about the titans game he had a big tackle on derrick henry when he broke out to the open he nailed <laughs> nailed Tannehill out in the open on a run and then in the texans game we all know he had the tackle on the punt and he had the force fumble on the kickoff it's like weirdly he has made some massively huge playoff plays now do i really think he's going to be in the chiefs hall of fame no because it's about consistency over long years but either way he ha- he holds a special place in chiefs playoff history he's the christian cologne of this team <laughs> and again if you had your prop bet for me going cross sport this week you go you can go ahead and collect it once we get the check once we get the check yes yeah, sorry get the check. and we need to get the we need to get paid from nbc first and then we'll start doling out your prop bets but just you know keep your tickets and we'll make sure that we get everybody paid eventually. I do think in general, you know, I, I, I zeroed in on Daryl Williams, but in general, role players this week were massive. Between Daryl Williams, you know, Sorensen, you're not going to make a bigger play on defense in, in maybe your career, unless it's like a Super Bowl play. And he continues to make those really big plays, as you just alluded to, Jacob. 
you know, I thought defend, our defensive line, specifically guys like Mike Dana, had a really good game. Maybe didn't show up on the stat sheet, but played really well. And then Chad Henney, you know, coming in cold. He's never thrown a playoff pass. <laughs> His last pass of the game is on fourth and one to win the game. Overall, the role players on this team, non-stars, guys you wouldn't pick to make the big plays, I think are probably the biggest positives for me overall if I'm going to take a, a broader view of things in this game. I yeah. do think that last play of the game, outside of it winning, it was Andy Reid trying to make Tony Romo realize he's not as smart as he thinks he is <laughs> because all he was calling was they're not running a play. And that, that's Andy Reid saying you don't know what you're talking about. And you know what? I've also said I've listened to too many Tony Romo games recently, but his reaction to that call, I've listened to it 10 times now, and I can't get enough of it. So, Tony, I'm sorry. Don't ever sign with NBC. They don't pay people. I do think, like, let's talk about that play if we're going to stick on positives for a minute. I do think, to your point, Sam, Tony Romo talking, I think everybody in the building expected that to be a non-play. I know I did. Tony Romo obviously did. I'm sure Jim Nance did, and I'm sure the Browns all did. I don't the think corner that was covering Tyreek Hill did. Yeah, everybody thought it was going to be a non-play. And I think Andy Reid knew that. And he took complete and utter advantage of that. Nobody thought that they were going to run the ball. Nobody thought they weren't going to run the ball on fourth and inches, especially not from the shotgun, and especially not without calling a timeout to get in a view of the defense and, and after trying to draw them offside. And instead, Andy Reid just runs the clock down, to, and then they snap it. To me, like... It's one of those things, like, if it doesn't work, we're all going, that's that's a terrible thing. Why wouldn't you, like, call a timeout, try to get everything set to win the game? But really, that when you line it all up like that, where it's like everybody expects us to do this thing, let's do something different. To me, that's one of the more brilliant coaching moves that you can make is when everybody expects you to zig, you zag. And one more on that, I saw uh, Adam Teicher during the game had said, Going for it on that play was like a 90% win chance. And then punting and playing defense was a 90.6% chance. So the odds were about exactly the same. And to me, Andy Reed is almost, and he did it down the stretch. We multiple times shouted out the coaching by Andy Reed near the end of the year. And now of course, part of this is you have to have a great quarterback or at least Chad Henney, I guess. But anyway, that's besides the fact he is, he might even redefine how to manage the end of a football game because teams in their last second drives have gotten so efficient getting down the field with limited amounts of time that it's making less and less sense to run the ball three times and punt. He is completely changing coaching philosophy in that sense. Which I find really interesting because if we would have talked about Andy Reid's end of game clock management and play calling two years ago, we would all say that was his weak point. And now we're looking at like, okay, maybe he's finally figured it out. The other part of that play, just, just the other thing. I honestly watching it about, about had an aneurysm watching Tyree kill run. Cause I thought he was running out of bounds. I was like, go down, stop. Like what? And he just sits down, but no, that, that is pretty amazing that we've seen a, a pretty drastic shift in, Andy Reid's coaching in that he he's continually developing even at, at his age and how long he's been in the league and continually adapting to what needs to happen to, to still be a elite level coach. And Sam, to clarify with you, he's learned how to manage the clock with a Patrick Mahomes at the end versus 
with a Alex Smith. I do think the game plan's slightly different, but not by a ton because in the past he was still trying to coach like he had Alex Smith, even with Mahomes and some of that late game choice making. But I think you'll start to see other teams figure out, hey, don't run, 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 punt. I'll disagree to a point. Andy Reid has, and to your point, Sam, um, about Andy Reid, like we all would have said his his clock management would have been his weakness, and I would agree. I would I would put myself on on that train. But take it take it ten years back, ever even fifteen years like back to the Eagles. You can go long time back with his time, just for how long he was with Philadelphia. Everyone said he threw the ball too much. Everyone said that, you know, you can't play in the NFL this way and expect to win a Super Bowl. Like, you just can't do it. And now, and, and I think what we need to amend that to is, no, this is this is the best way to play the game. It just gets infinitely easier when you actually have a quarterback who can execute it. You know, there aren't many teams who have Derrick Henry and you can just completely annihilate people with the run and even so we saw what happened with baltimore when they were able to neutralize derrick henry all of a sudden your entire offense shut down for me i wonder how much of it is andy reese just ahead like he's just ahead of everybody right now and has been for a while he just hasn't had the pieces to make it work and now that he has mahomes it's working and I mean, you can even make, you can see it like with a guy who is a definitively lesser quarterback. And I think you can make the argument wasn't a great quarterback, but just a good quarterback with Donovan McNabb. He took that guy to a Super Bowl. Donovan leaves Andy Reid and is not good. You can, you see it with a lot of the quarterbacks that he's had. You know, Michael Vick rehabs his career with Andy Reid. Kevin Cobb gets traded for a second round pick and then is never heard from again. Nick Foles comes out of retirement. Nick Foles comes out of retirement and helps helps stabilize, you know, a, a quarterback situation in Kansas City, and then goes on and has gets a contract elsewhere. This is this is kind of what he does. This is kind of what he does. He's he's his system is ahead of its time. His philosophy is ahead of his time. He just doesn't always have the pieces to make it work. But then the NFL caught up. And it was, oh, it's it's air raid. Like, that's what we should be doing. And he said, yeah, and guess what? Now I've got the best quarterback to make that work. I, I do wonder how much of it is that he is ahead of everything and, and maybe just doesn't have the right tools to put all the screws and bolts and nuts in to, to make it function fully. And now he has that and we're going, oh, he's, he's so far ahead of, of you guys right now in the other coaching ranks. Now, it's not all positive. There definitely were some negatives from this week. Obviously, the biggest one is Patrick Mahomes, so we're excluding that. Patrick Mahomes being hurt, not on the board. But what to you guys needs the biggest improvement coming into this week? Obviously, they got a, they got a tough matchup. Yes, they, they did handle the Bills last time they played them, but Josh Allen is playing a much better style of football up to last week or this past weekend, which he, like we said before, did not go very well. What to you needs the most improvement before we get to the, um, to the Chiefs game with the Bills? Um, Jacob, we'll go ahead and, and start with you here. All right, I'm going to kind of use your you can't say Mahomes being hurt 
against you in a way and say, I think the biggest thing is I'd like for Clyde Edwards Hilaire to come back. I don't think it's the biggest factor, but I do think it would be an important one. That's what I would like to see get better. I don't think there was a, maybe just because I'm not thinking deep enough, but I can't think of something that overly concerned me outside of the Mahomes injury from this most, from this last week because of how well the defense played and how well the offense was playing. Now, of course, I think the easiest one to point out would say, you know what, I like for Harrison Butker to quit missing field goals and field goal attempts from 33 yards away. Uh, Sam, what about you? What's your biggest thing that you need to see upgraded before coming up against the Bills? As, as far as the negatives, the only one I really had was Harrison Butker missing an extra point in a field goal. Again, it's we had kind of thought we got that figured out, and then this week it kind of reared its ugly head, where, again, we don't think about it until it starts to cost you, and this was a game that very well could have cost us in that kind of situation. So hopefully that is just an anomaly, and he gets right back to where he was previous to this game. The, the other non-play-type negative was, I think, got overshadowed because of Mahomes' injury, but Bashard Breeland going out with a concussion as well. He is our, I mean, our top cornerback. And we're going against a, a team that has a very good wide receiver. And obviously the the focus will be on Mahomes until we hear anything else. But I think he's just as valuable as a piece to the defense for that to that extent. And that's a big negative if he can't play next week. Yeah. Has there been any updates on Bashad Brion real quick? I have not heard one report from anyone. Rappaport, Schefter, nobody. Right. All I've seen is during the game, who's being evaluated for a concussion and then nothing after that, other than he's been ruled out, but they didn't say whether or not he passed his concussion protocol, which we are all now experts on. But yeah, I wanted to just say real quickly, Sam, on the Harrison Bucker thing. It was like we said, you don't notice the check engine light came on this week, but the problem was that the car's engine started smoking too when Patrick Mahomes went out. So we really started to notice that something was wrong with our car. And something we we haven't even mentioned, but it happened co- or two weeks ago, the forever MVP of the Chiefs is back on the team. Dustin Colquitt was on the practice squad. <laughs> so if anything fails, we always know the, the forever MVP is there to, to back us up. One other just negative that I think if we're really being nitpicky was in our secondary, I thought Ward played really poorly. If, if we're really nitpicking things and, and overall, he was probably the, the biggest the gla- biggest glaring weakness within the defense was Ward this week. Um, so that would be an improvement is, is that second cornerback kind of slot cornerback position being, being shored up a little bit more going in this next week. And one more thing just before we move away from Butker and move on to the Bills is – both of his misses, he overslung both times. I would equate it to a golf sling when you you pull it too far left when you're a righty. That's what it looked like both times, that he just overswung it. I don't know how to put it to the center, by the way, so anybody looking for golf advice. So don't ask me about that. But I'm just telling you, I know how to hit the ball the wrong way, and he hit it to the left the wrong way. Yeah, in the interest of being brief and not saying things that have already been said, I think my biggest thing is just get rotational players back. Get them healthy. I would like it if the quarterback wasn't the second leading rusher on your team. And that's what happened this week. Daryl Williams was great and he only ran the ball 13 times. That's awesome. He had a terrific game. Didn't have to touch the ball. If you end up needing a guy to run the ball more, you know, Le'Veon Bell touched it twice. So either he's not completely healthy or something else is going on, which to me, he's not completely healthy from being banged up. 
you know, having, having more help at, at linebacker, I thought they played it as well as they have all year, but just getting more rotational depth, get guys breathers. So in the event you do have, you know, maybe back-to-back extended drives on defense, you can do your best to stay fresh and not just send the same guys out there for a third time going, Oh my God, I need to catch my breath. I think that's the only thing to me. That's a negative. There isn't a lot of depth right now. Just like, as you said, guys like Bashad Breland are down guys like Willie Gay are down. Ben Neiman's still down. Rashad Fenton is down. You know, I think that could have helped out a whole lot with Ward is if Fenton comes in, I thought Fenton has looked infinitely better at the slot than Ward has. So for me, it's, it's getting guys back to fill roles and, and give guys a break, create, create chances to grab a breather. Let's move to the Buffalo Bills, who did take down the Baltimore Ravens 17 to three. Again, not, not a, not a high scoring game, not a very fun, uh, fun game to watch as far as a, if you're into to high scores, but an interesting game for sure. Before we dive into the specifics on what we see from the Bills, the strengths and weaknesses, I do just want to get general reactions. Sam will come to you first here. What was your your overall reaction? Maybe maybe a little more in depth than kind of what we did earlier of the Bills versus the Ravens and when it was all said and done. It was two teams that I have never been impressed by that seem to get a lot of national credit, and I don't understand why. And I feel like this week showed my point of it, which is neither of them are nearly as good, I feel, as, as everyone gives them credit for. The only, Again, the only thing I was really surprised about was more not anything either team did. It was what one player didn't do, which is Lamar Jackson being Lamar Jackson. I feel like it was another game where instead of being the player that we know he is, he tried to be the player he everyone wants him to be, and it, he can't. Stefan Diggs continues to show that he is one of the elite wide receivers in the NFL. And he, he has made Jared Allen look a lot Jared Allen, Josh, <laughs> Jared Allen, man, that's, that's, that's where we're at now. But uh, Josh Allen look a lot better than I think he actually is. But overall it was just not a good game. In my opinion, uh, two teams that I don't think are as good as people say they are. Dave, what about you? What was your reaction to the bills and Ravens? duking it out to a 17 to three finish. Let me first start with Jared Allen is a finalist for the hall of fame this year. So there's no mistake in Sam minting Jared Allen, one of my all time favorites. I'm still at this point, a little sad that they chose Larry Johnson over him just because there went my joke about Jared Allen and I being related. Sam, I will also answer your question about why do, you know, the national media like to talk up the bills and the Ravens because it's boring to keep saying, Hey, the chiefs are the best. Hey, the Chiefs are the best. Hey, the Chiefs are the best. See, it's already boring all of you if my voice didn't bore you earlier. But that's why is because it's not fun to keep trained for the thing that's already winning. Look at LeBron James. That's number two cross-sport reference for me. So you can go ahead and double your prop bet. That's the second one before somebody else did. But it's like LeBron. After LeBron won, well, what do we want to see him do? Lose. Who are we going to compare everybody to? Like Sam or Sean said earlier about Mahomes. They're going to compare him to the best person in the league. And then we're going to say he's just as good. No, he might be better. That's why. Because it's a narrative and it's exciting to do, to be like, this team might be as good. Now, the Bills might – I was going to use the word lucky, and I apologize for all our 15 listeners out there who would get us riled – the Bills fans riled up on Twitter. The Bills might be in a fortunate situation where they might get a very hobbled Chiefs team to to play against – 
But again, I'm with you, Sam. Their biggest strength is their wide receivers. That's the biggest difference I see for Josh Allen. His decision-making is a little bit better. I'm not going to say it's perfect yet. Stephon Diggs seems to be the wide receiver version of Travis Kelsey. That dude is always five to 10 yards open. It's like, there is one guy you're really scared of and he's always open, but yeah, Cole Beasley is also a nice backup option to throw to, and they paid both guys too. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see in the off season, just what, what do the bills have afterwards? Yeah. I won't take too much time because my reaction was, was similar to your guys. My, my biggest thing that threw me for a loop was Lamar Jackson's rushing. The passing doesn't surprise me. It is what it is. This is kind of what we've come to expect from him in the playoffs and, and kind of where his career's trended that he's good for maybe a bomb here or there because he's got a strong arm, but he's not a great passing quarterback. But to hold Lamar Jackson to less than four yards a pop, that was when my reaction exploded. It was, wow, this is this is rough. So I, I agree. I think that these teams are maybe not – they are revealing themselves to be what they are. I think, Sam, you've, you've been out ahead of it, and I think the rest of us are kind of seeing it now going, oh, yeah, this this makes sense. They, they aren't as good as – as maybe we thought. And I think that plays well for, for the chiefs, but they do still have uh, now focusing on the bills. They do still have some things that are concerning. So let's move into more specifics here. What are your guys biggest strengths that the bills possess? What poses the biggest problem for the chiefs going forward in this matchup? Sam, we'll come to you first here on this one. The only thing that that genuinely not necessarily scares me, but is something that could play a factor are their wide receivers. Stefan Diggs, obviously, we know is an elite talent. Outside of that, they have a very fast wide receiver that we would fail to mention that being Kansans and, and him coming from Pittsburgh State University in John Brown, a guy that has, I think, was maybe the pattern for Tyreek Hill before Tyreek Hill came into the in, into the NFL, and Tyreek's just done it better, in my opinion. But just a really fast, small wide receiver that causes problems every now and then. It's not like he has a, a big game every game, but he'll pop one out here and there where he'll get 200 yards randomly. And then, as Jacob mentioned, Cole Beasley is is kind of the the Wes Welker-esque, Julian Edelman-esque, where he gets, he gets those 50-yard games, and he affects games by – moving drives by by continuing drives and moving the sticks so for me it's it's not a something i'm i'm definitely afraid of unless bashard breeland is not playing if that is the case then i'm more worried but but the wide receivers are what i really key in on as as being a potential problem for us Jacob, what about you what what do you see as being the biggest issues for the chiefs the biggest positives that the bills have since we've already mentioned the receivers multiple times, I'll start with, I do think their defense has played a little bit better down the stretch. They, in that Ravens game, Ravens came out and said, we're going to run the ball and we're going to run it over you. Just like the Chiefs did in their game. Difference is, you know, the Ravens didn't have Patrick Mahomes to keep them honest on the back end and keep guys back. But their defense has been playing a little better than when we first saw them. And I would also just mention Josh Allen's boom ability is also something that can be a strength. Yeah, I think that that to me is the part, maybe taking a broader view of it, because since you guys mentioned the wide receivers, because I do think specifically they are the, the biggest issue, but taking a broader view of it, it's the, the big play potential. 
that's I think the biggest thing that is different from last year to this year with the Bills is the ability to get behind the defense on both sides of the field with John Brown and Stephon Diggs. I think both of them present issues down the field. And when you have two guys that are both not just fast, but quality receivers, I think that that causes a lot of problems for defenses. You know, you can, you can try to cover, you know, both receivers with two safeties over the top, and then you're leaving the middle of your field completely vacated. It'll be interesting to see how they handle the big play potential. It is completely dependent on what kind of Josh Allen shows up. But that to me is my, the biggest positive, the biggest problem they present the Chiefs is the ability to get downfield quickly. Yeah, and, and with that, I, I again, I am anything but a Josh Allen supporter. I'm not really a huge fan of his. But the one thing I will say about him that we saw in our first matchup against him is his ability to keep plays alive, uh, avoiding pressure, just moving side to side, which allows those big plays to happen. And so I think that's something that, especially with our inability to get to the quarterback or what we've seen this year, that could be a problem as well as is, is his little ability to move and his athleticism, the, the credit you can give the guy is his athleticism because he is a very athletic quarterback and his ability to avoid pressure effectively and continue plays um, down the field, which that's what we've seen has hurt the Chiefs is when plays break down and wide receivers are able to get past the the, the cornerbacks after that four-second coverage window. To me, if, if, jo- if, if Josh Allen ever learns to throw the ball away, that's when he becomes dangerous. Because uh, his, as I agree with you, his ability to extend plays is terrifying. And it's just sometimes he tries to extend them too long by laddering the ball on after he's getting hit and throwing it on a no look pass behind him. I do definitely think there are some places that the Chiefs can absolutely exploit the Bills like they did earlier this year. Jacob, we'll come to you first here, with Sam. Last time, what do you think are the biggest areas that the Chiefs can take advantage of the Bills in this game? Well, I'll start with my first biggest weakness is Josh Allen. (laughs) That is also their biggest weakness is Josh Allen can come out and throw for 150 yards and never put them in the game. What is going to be interesting to me is to see the game plans from both sides. First off, the game plan against Josh Allen, I think, is going to be the opposite of the Tom Brady slash Lamar Jackson defensive game plan, where it was pack the middle of the field and take away the short stuff from those guys reverse. They're going to try to take everything over the top and make Josh Allen be accurate, which is his biggest weakness. He still has troubles making accurate throws. He's much like somebody we've seen for a more extended time, which is Kirk cousins who will make an elite throw and then miss a running back in the flat five yards away. It's just mind boggling on the flip side of that. What I do want to see again is, is the Bills' defense going to be their weakness like it was in the first game? The first game, they tried to run the Chargers' game plan of drop everybody and let your front four rush. The problem is they don't have Bosa and Ingram, so it didn't work for them. And the Chiefs knew they saw that plan, and they said, hey, we're just going to run the ball all over you. That's fine with us. We'll take it. But I don't expect that a second time around because the Bills know, you know, hey, we got burned once doing this. We've got to mix it up at least a little bit because it didn't work go first go around. Sam, what about you? What do you think the Bills struggle with the most that the Chiefs could take advantage of? Showing my my maturity over Jacob and that he stole mine and I didn't blow up like you last <laughs> um, But now Josh I'm the youngest one, so let's settle down. 
<laughs> Josh Allen still is the weakness in my opinion, because though, yes, he has played better this year. He's still a guy where I don't, it's, it's a lot like Lamar Jackson getting the credit where yes, he is an explosive player, but trying to compare him again. And maybe this is a, a very elitist or, or we are becoming the Patriots where like we have the best quarterback and anyone compared to him is blasphemy, but just, he's not what I see in, in a elite quarterback. And so I think he is there as far as on their offense, he can be a big strength, but he is also a big weakness. Their defense. It's interesting because they don't have a lot of those marquee guys. Um, you see some in the back end uh, in their secondary, but as far as the the front seven, I would say you don't have the the Miles Garretts or the Joey Bosa's or those big name guys. And we we kind of exploited that last game, and and I it's going to be as Jacob said, it's going to be interesting to see what the play call is. Obviously, it it's all going to come down to what Mahomes comes out on the field if he does come out on the field that we're in kind of a purgatory right now where we don't even know what we're going to see next week. And that, that makes it a lot harder because if this was predicting before Mahomes got hurt, their defense is a weakness prior to Mahomes getting hurt. It's hard to even say what's going to happen in reality. I think we'll see a lot of, regardless of if Mahomes plays or not, I think we're going to see a lot of running because that worked last week or last the last matchup. And hopefully we'll, we'll see similar success this week uh, with hopefully Clyde coming back. And one more thing on just kind of what we've been talking about is Josh Allen had an impromptu shovel throw near the end zone. I believe it was the Colts in the playoffs. So he still has the confidence for some of those wacky plays, which makes you think, you know, what he, but that means he also has the potential to make, you know, a deathly error like that as well. But then lastly, yeah, that's Sam makes a great point. This is going to be a weird one to predict just because we don't know if it's Mahomes. We don't know if it's Henny. And if it's Henny, I wonder if it'll be like the end of that Browns game where they play a bunch of single high safety and say, hey, Chad, come beat us. I wish there was something else that wasn't so glaring as well as Josh Allen can play at times. The rest of the time he is just not good and or or even if he is playing well, he is absolutely prone to making just bonehead plays. And not even, you know, last week I talked about Baker Mayfield being maybe the weakness of the Browns. I think Baker Mayfield is a definitively more consistent quarterback at times than Josh Allen in that if Baker's playing bad, he's going to play bad. There's no, there's no, I'm having a great game and throw it away. It's I'm playing well or I'm, I'm struggling, period. Josh Allen is, is unlike Baker Mayfield in that he will absolutely be having a good game and he refuses to maybe let plays go. Like you said, Sam, he is, he's a very athletic quarterback, especially when you look at the size of him. He is he's surprisingly athletic to me. But I think that almost works against him at times because he knows that he's, he's able to make plays that other guys can't at times. And so he tries to make these plays that are just insane. And I think that even if he's having a good game, the Chiefs can just say, you know, just wait. It's kind of like how we talked about the Raiders from years ago, or even, you know, still do at times. Just wait. They'll, they'll find a way to lose the game. They'll find a way to give the ball back to you. And that's kind of how I feel about Josh Allen in this one. Yeah, and I feel, honestly, I feel like Josh Allen is Tyron Matthews' dream quarterback. He is a very 
very athletic, strong quarterback that thinks he can throw his way out of trouble. And that is Tyron Matthews game to a T. He tricks young quarterbacks, unexperienced quarterbacks into throwing balls that should not be thrown. So this is the kind of game where he thrives because he plays that kind of like what he did with Baker's throw this week, just kind of sits there, lets them think that, oh, it's it's there. And, and he jumps routes that just through tricking quarterbacks that think a, a play is open. So this it, it is the kind of matchup that I think he dreams about. Let's get into what we need to see out of our, our boys in red and gold. So obviously a lot of things unknown. We'll know a whole lot more tomorrow. We're recording this on a Tuesday night. So by the time this gets up, we'll probably all know what's going on, but we don't know right now. We will see what happens, but what do we need to see from Kansas City in this one? I'll go ahead and go first here. I do. I need to see them in a very general sense. They need to control this game. I don't want to see them let the Bills hang around. Do what you did to the Browns the first two and a half quarters of the game and simply take them out of it. You know, if they score a little bit, they score a little bit, but Make sure that that's few and far between. Make sure that the ball is consistently in your in your quarterback's hands. Dominate the time of possession, or at least dominate the scoreboard. If you one of the two, I think if you do that, if you control the game, whether or not it's pretty or explosive, I think you you start to put pressure on Josh Allen to make big plays. If he feels like he's running out of time and he knows he's up against Patrick Mahomes, I think that that's when you can start to exploit him. Uh, when he's trying to do too much to bring his team back into it. Jacob, we'll go to you next here. What do you need to see from the Chiefs uh, in this AFC Championship game? Dear Chiefs kingdom, from the bottom of my heart, I'm sorry last week for not asking for the health of the team, and we all know what happened. Patrick Mahomes' injury is on me, and I apologize for that. If you never forgive me, I get it. So this week, what I'd like to see is a win and for the team to be healthy. (laughs) but on just a little side note because those are my top two those are my top two on a little bit of a side note i do want to see the offense not get slowed down at all because we know if we're looking forward they're gonna have to play a good offensive game in the following game as well just because of who we're looking at in the nfc whether it's the packers and they have to win in a shootout or it's the bucks and they have to play well because the Bucs do have a good defense, despite what the Chiefs did to the Bucs earlier this year. The Bucs defense is still good, and they'll make adjustments. They won't have the same guy cover Tyree Kill in a single high safety look again, I would think. So that's what I'd like to see is just the offense to not be slowed down in any way. And Sam, uh, what about you? What do you need to see from the Chiefs game plan this coming week? I think the biggest thing, regardless of who is taking snaps at quarterback, I think I want to see the offensive line have another performance like we saw this week. Again, I'm not going to go out and say it was the best offensive line we've ever seen, but it was a consistent play for the most part, kept the quarterback upright and and did a really good job of, of opening running lanes, regardless of who starts again, like I said, I think is going to be a big part of this game. And then on defensive side, I just, what we've seen is a continued improvement over a very good defense I mean we just each week where I think the defense continues to get better almost like we saw last week or, or last year where this time of year they really turned it up the the one thing I would pray for is Frank Clark figure something out and learn how to rush the passer like he had last year but that's been something we've been wishing for and yet to receive but and and I will throw on the side note come away healthy 
No more injuries, please. <laughs> yeah, I'll just chip in my two cents here as a last add-on. Yes, all health. Health. Everybody stay healthy. Get healthy and stay healthy. So let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. We'll get our score predictions. We'll start on the NFC side of things. Rams, ver- excuse me, the Buccaneers versus Packers. Coming into this one, two legends at quarterback on either side. One playing as good a football as we've seen. One maybe big play potential, but fading at this point. Uh, Sam, will come to you first here on this one. What is your prediction between Brady and Rodgers? I think 34 to 20. Packers, obviously. I think we're going to see the uh, a similar showing to what we saw last week with Brady, um, but he's not going against a, another aged quarterback. He's going against arguably the who the only quarterback you could argue with, with Mahomes as being the best. So I think it's going to show the weaknesses of, of having a 40-some-odd-year old quarterback playing in Green Bay in the middle of January. Jacob, what about you? How do you feel about the uh, NFC? What's your prediction in this one? I'd just like to first shout out that the NFL is rigged and the NFL rigged Twitter account who probably has like three followers also agrees with me. This is also a rematch of a week six regular season game. Both games are rematches from week six. Packers got walled by the Buccaneers 38 to 10 in that week six game. It was at the Buccaneers. Packers started out 10-0 and they were controlling the game. And then Aaron Rodgers threw two terrible picks, I believe on back-to-back drives and it completely changed the game. And then the Bucks defense just started getting on top of Rodgers constantly. But what I had heard though, was that they had injuries in that game and they were adjusting on the fly. And so I do expect to see a different game this week is what I'm trying to say, because this is at Lambeau and it is not easy to win at Lambeau in the playoffs. I, I expect a much tighter game. I will give a little more respect to Brady than Sam did, but at the same time, I can see Sam's scenario playing out perfectly where Rodgers does shoot out the entire field and gets them up to a big lead. But at the same time, that 38 to 10 game makes me scared to go that far, but I'm going to pick the bucks. I think I'll go with the bucks on this one, just to be different than Sam, because that's my thing. I'll, I'll only go by like three though. Uh, 34, 31 bucks. And I will take the Packers in this one. I, I think it'll be a little closer than, than what Sam said, but I, I think it'll be a 28-21 affair. I, I do think Packers are going to come back with a vengeance. I think Rodgers probably has had that game marked for a while, hoping that he'd get to see them again. And then we'll just flip it around. We'll go back uh, in reverse order here. So I'll go first with the Chiefs. I think I'm going to assume everybody's going to play. And I will say because of that, they're all definitely going to be healthy with no lingering side effects at all that they are going to, the Chiefs will smoke the Bills in a 31 to to 21 affair. Um, I think that they present the most issues for the Bills that they've seen to this point last. I think it'll be a very similar game to the first time in week six this year where they control the game and it'll just be maybe more dominant looking on the scoreboard. I think that'll all line up this time. Uh, Jacob, what about you? How do you feel about the Chiefs versus the Bills? You know who else didn't draft Patrick Mahomes and traded away their pick? The Buffalo Bills. And Patrick doesn't forget. 
I'll go and get crazy. I'm going to go against logic because logic hasn't worked in previous weeks for me. So I'm going to go 38, 20, just a butt whooping. The chiefs have been looking forward to the run it back tour for the entire season. And this is their chance to open it up. And Sam, bring us home. What's your score prediction for chiefs versus bills with a healthy Mahomes? Um, I'm going with just go 34, 17. Let's, let's, let's just revive the, the, the score from this week with a hobbled homes. Mahomes, I'm going to go 28 to 17. And with Chad Henney, I'm going 24 17. See, I refuse to pick a Chad Henney game because that's not going to happen. Mahomes I, are- I, hey, I'm giving it just because Chad Henney, I think, has has is, is there to drive a quarterback controversy. And if he comes out and beats the Bills in the AFC Championship, all all cards are off next year. I mean, we're going into the offseason with a with Chad Henney. It's it's like it's like Nick Foles, man. He won the Super Bowl and then they didn't know what to do. So Okay, you know what? All of our predictions have been so wrong that I am actually going to predict a Chad Henney game just to make sure that he doesn't play. Chad <laughs> Henney, if he's the starter, it'll be 24 to 17. My exact score. <laughs> yeah. It'll be insane. Heck, why not? I'll predict 24 17 Chad Henney game as well. We'll call it. We'll just go straight across the board. That'll do it for us here on No Place Like Mahomes. We appreciate you guys sticking with us here. We will talk to you after hopefully another Chiefs victory and after everybody is back healthy and ready to go for a Super Bowl run, run it back to her again, 2021 version this go around. Until then, you guys stay safe out there and we will talk to you next week.